The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Mick Lavelle is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from cucumbers... Japanese knotweed and dahlias will also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week, which is Choicea tonata. Mexican orange blossom often called, Mexican orange. Wonder why? Well, it originated from area like Arizona and New Mexico, so that's where it came from. Not forgetting that the white-scented flowers are rather like the orange. That's the orange tree. I have to say that they're not excitingly perfumed, but they have some perfume. And if you cut the branches or rub the leaves, it smells a bit like dill. Not an exciting smell. Anyway, what can you do with them? I tell you, they're easy. They tolerate low temperatures. They'll take down to about minus five. They can grow, and I have seen them this high, nearly three metres or ten foot high. But ideally, you don't want it that large in your garden. You can prune it because it's very tolerant of pruning and you can prune it on an annual basis after flowering. Flowers this time of the year, sometimes, and quite often these days, it flowers again into the winter or early spring as well. Um, There was another one that was developed called Sundance. It was actually originally a a choicier lich, but it's sold as Sundance. Bright yellow leaves, not quite as hardy, but very good indeed. And there's another cut a leaf one called Aztec Pearl. They're very easy to grow. They'll tolerate most conditions except waterlogged soils. They do not like waterlogged soils, and for that reason, they're very susceptible to a root rot. And the other rather strange problem that choiceers have is they're also susceptible to ring barking. That's where the bark is all taken off the, the stem of the plant. And do you know who's doing that? snails i wouldn't have believed it but snails do that as well so they are look out for that um but generally what a plant to grow it's got everything going for it. it's an evergreen it's got flower tolerates low temperatures so what more do you want so go out and get one and all important as well is those blooms got lots of nectar for the bees as well so we're doing good for the bees as well worth growing easy to grow don't forget Choicia Tonata. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Mick and I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with David in Chelmsford. Good morning, Ken. Um, I've got a plum tree which I've had for about 25 years. I had some canker on it last year and cut the limb off. Uh, But uh, although I'm getting leaf this year, and there's 
doesn't appear to be any flower forming. So I just wonder if it's time to... Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. You can hear me laughing, maybe. <laughs> uh, I like the way you said, is it the time to... I can hear what you're saying, to get rid of it. Canker, Mick, is something that is just ongoing. And it yeah. will, it deteriorates, deteriorates. The, tr the tree will deteriorate, 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 and eventually disappear, won't it? Yeah, I mean, it... it the problem with canker is that it is, like Ken says, it's a slow sort of... Um, slow death, really, isn't it? Well, it, it won't even really kill it, but it'll get to the stage where the, the tree is next to useless from the point yeah. of view of it being like a plum tree. It'll still be alive, but it won't look good and it won't be productive. And um, depending on... Um, it, it could be that, but it's also... It may be other things that might be wrong with it. Canker's one of these things that sometimes uh, trees get more badly when the tree itself is um, is upset by the conditions it finds itself in. It finds itself in. So it could be something else which is affecting it too. Is it an old tree, uh, David? About 25 years, I would yeah. say. It's yeah. getting near the end of its life, isn't it? 25, yeah, 25 yeah. 30 years for a plum tree, don't you think? I think so, yeah. I, mean, there are, you can, I know people will now phone in and say, I've had one for 60 years and all the rest of it. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, they're a bit hit and miss after that sort mm. of period. They, they are something which likes to be uh, young, vigorous stock. So get yourself out there, find a, a new plum tree. Yeah, look for a new yeah. plum tree, I would. If it's deteriorating that much, David, death, it might be the time to remove it. Yeah? Yeah, can I replace the position, put a new one in the same position? No, I would be a little bit reluctant to put... If, if a tree's lost condition, and we're not exactly sure why, but we know that it's really it's, it's ill health, it could just be the age of a tree. 25 isn't ancient for any tree, I haven't said but that. They, so, so, yeah. so for a plum tree, they're susceptible to things. So the, the, the suspicion would be that there's something which is affected, and it may affect... Uh, even more severely, a new one put in the same place. So I'd try and find a suitable position a little bit away from where you've got it, if that's possible. OK, fine. All right. um, the other thing whilst I'm on, uh, yep. I want to put a red robin uh, bush uh, or hedge in. Yep. I wonder when the best time to plant it would be. A hedge? Uh, well, now is OK. okay. I mean, <laughs> evergreens like to be planted when they're just growing actively. Normally, I'd say April, but with the year we've had, now's probably now's OK. fine. Yeah. If you, you say you want to put it as a hedge or uh, around the edge of the... Or do you say just as an edge? Yeah, no, I want to form it as a hedge to screen, for screen. Remember, yeah. it does... Uh, as a plant, it generally does go bare at the bottom for ten years. They won't yeah. give you good cover at the base over a number of years. OK, fine. All right? All right. Much obliged, Chief. Thank you. No problem. Bye, David, and don't forget the number to call is 0800 111 Grace from Pitsy. Hello, Grace. Hello. Good morning. What's up? Um, I've got a couple of foxgloves. Never mm -hmm. happened before, and they're being eaten alive. I've put beer traps down. I haven't caught many slugs or snails in there. I'll put the beer plugs down so they can have a party and then die in the morning. So <laughs> if I put, uh, if I put um, slug pellets down, what about if the birds eat the slug pellets? Will they die? No, the birds don't go for them, really, is the thing. And um, the other thing as well is that I've never really, and I've, I've talked to plenty of people about this as well, I've never really come across... Um, uh, birds actually picking up the, the dead slugs either. It's like us going out and having a burnt steak. You don't. Yeah. You take it. You send it back to the kitchen in the restaurant, wouldn't you? If it was dry yeah. and burnt, yeah. and it's um, the I mean, same the, principle. But the reason not for using slug pellets is, is if you're going to use them, use them very occasionally and use them for a specific thing, like you're su suggesting here. Because no, if you just use them as yeah, whole, underneath my foxglove, just yeah, yeah, yeah. round it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you use them all the time, these chemicals get into the wider environment in your garden. Yeah. It can affect other no, things which you don't want to just, affect. You know. So yeah, it's just a try 
keep the flower growing, yeah. mm. and then I can pull them up and bung them in the green bin for the council to take away. Yes, indeed, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so just use them as a scatter around, just around the very base of the plant, yeah, I would say. I can't Not even the soil there. in between them. No, I, I mean... I've eating them. It's some caterpillar, but I haven't seen one. No. Well, you're saying you're putting slug pellets down, so if you think it's a caterpillar, right? do you think it's a caterpillar or do you, are you I convinced? Haven't, I haven't got a clue. I just don't know. Now, if you, the way yeah. to tell if it's slugs or snails <laughs> is that they, they rasp away with this tongue, which is, uh, well, the mouth parts are what's called a radulus. It's like a, a scraping file, if you like. Yeah. And so you get um, irregular patches where, where the leaves disappear. And you sometimes get a ragged edge to it and thinning of the leaf nearby to it where they've rasped away and not quite gone all the way through. Right. If it's eaten and it's a nice clean line, you've got a caterpillar or something else or a beetle larvae or something yeah. which is eating them. And that's in, that, in the, the slug pellets. In I'm, the beer traps I'm putting down, I'm getting slugs and a couple well, of yeah, snails. Well, yeah, but I mean, but, no, but what I'm... That, that, you it's like anyway. correlation isn't the same as causation. The fact you've got uh, slugs and snails there, they may not be eating your foxgloves, as I was saying. It may be something else that's eating them. Something else. Okay, yeah. But I'm just saying, but, so go and have a look at it. If it's ragged and sort of your bits of thin patch on the leaf where it sort of looks like, you know, like an old worn out sock sort of thing, you know, that's slug damage or snail damage. Okay, let's uh, move on. Uh, that number to call is 0800. Triple one forty forty one. You can text me eight one triple three. Just pop Essex on the front, and we'll deal with your text straight away here in the studio. They come straight to me here in front of me. Uh, let's talk to Deborah from Braintree. Hello, Deborah. Oh, hi, Ken. What can we do for you? Well, my neighbours had really, really high Leylandii on oh, the sides of the fence, yep. and for years I couldn't grow anything okay. on my side of the fence, and it's a shady part anyway. Um, but they've recently cut them down right away. And I just wondered, have I got a window of opportunity to try and grow anything in that place? Well, yeah. I would say yes, but yeah. of course, quite, if they were tied up against the fence, quite a bit of nutrient will have been taken out yeah, from, you'll, from you'll your have, garden. You'll also have a real mesh of roots yeah. down there as well. So it'll be That's dry and it'll be rooted, yeah. yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do anything. It does mean that you've got a devil's own job to, to dig round and, and get that out. You really want to try and... and Go on, what could I put in there? I, it's just a bare, horrible sort of chain link fence. Well, the first thing you need to put in there into the soil is, is you need to get some um, some uh, manure or compost into the soil right. and get a lot of those roots out of the way. After right. that, there's plenty of um, good things which will take shade. You say it's shady already, and um, things it, like if it's not particularly exposed to wind, things like Orcuba are good in the shade. Privet right. does well in the shade as well, actually. It's a remarkably right. good uh, shade tolerant uh, for, for a hedge or a, a, for a freestanding specimen, so... A yeah. two that spring to mind instantly. If you're going to get a, a privet, um, even if you get the golden privet, it won't, it'll be sort of more like a lime yeah. green, but it'll be slightly uh, more cheerful okay. if you put the deep green privet in there. I mean, are privet, you, is there not anything not. With flowers, I are you have. trying? Are you trying to block them out with a hedgish sort of thing, or are you just happy to grow I shrubs? I something climby, I think, with some flowers in. That would be my dream. But otherwise, just a, a hedge. Um, climbing, climbing. You could put uh, clematis through. Nelly Moser is a good old-fashioned variety. It didn't fly okay. out for a long time. There are some other shade-tolerant ones. Um, Rosa, okay. winter flowering. And Montana uh, will Mon tolerate Montana it. Montana will tolerate a bit, yeah, if it, especially if the top gets out into a bit of sun. Um, yeah, okay. there's, there are options. I mean, um, if you okay. look up, I mean, I know it sounds like some saying don't phone us up again or anything like that, but I mean, if you actually go on online and look up things like plants for shade, climbers for shade, you'll see there are quite yeah. a lot of options. Or go to a good garden centre. 
and yeah. find somebody who's plant orientated and say, this is what I want. This is what I've yeah. got. Even go with a little plan yeah. and you can show okay. them exactly what you want. That's what I always recommend people to do because mm. if, and if the garden centre there can't help you, go to another one. Yeah, we mean Don't a garden centre, not one of the DIY multiples. No, garden centre <laughs> or a nursery. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence from Brightlingsea. Hello, Lawrence. Good morning. Is it good morning still? Yes, it, it is, is indeed. It yes. is, yes. And indeed. a lovely one with the sun out. So how can we help you today? Um, I spoke to you about six weeks ago. Okay. With regard took to my lawn. Yes. Which um, <clears throat> I had problem with moss. Uh-huh. And your colleague and yourself told me how to treat it, which I've done. Yep. And the moss has died... Now, what I want to ask you, I get the rake and rake all that dead moss out, don't yeah. I? Yeah. And then I can seed it again. Is that correct? You can. What, what, it's what we call o, it's what we call overseeding. But the problem is, it, is, it might, <laughs> it could do with a bit of extra, perhaps um, aeration. I don't know whether you you think that. I've done that. I've you've done, done that. All, you've done all the right yeah. things. So the answer mm. is yes. You can overseed. Mm. Okay, lovely. Thank now, overseeding, overseeding is basically you just you rake through and then scatter a bit of seed there. Lovely, lovely. Right. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 There, looked after Lawrence in, in, in a couple of ways. We'll be talking to Steve in Southend, Kim in Hardy's Green, Louise in Braintree and Eileen in Canby in just a moment. Kane Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Now, come on, Mick, what's your first one? Well, the first one, this time of the year, we like to get out and do a little bit in terms of um, all of the, uh, the sort of tidying up in the garden. It gets to this time of the year, and we think, look at those hedges, we need cutting. <laughs> So before you get those, uh, dust out those shears, put the oil on them, plug them in or put, uh, start them up if there's a petrol one, go and have a look and make sure you've got no birds nesting. Yeah, because they're starting, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, for professionals, uh, so you and I, we know that we're legally obliged not to, to cut hedges That's when right. there's nesting birds in there. Amateurs aren't covered by the same restrictions, but you ought to, if you're a keen gardener, you like to see the birds in the garden, just have a look. You'll hear them more than see them. You see the birds flying in and out. If you know where they're going, in, just check for it. But be careful because you don't, they don't like to be disturbed when they're nesting. So that's my first tip. But obviously... May now. It doesn't it feel quite like it yet, does it? It's like starting to this weekend. But um, spring bulbs have just finished flowering. This they is have. A, not, not usual things for me to be saying this time of the year. But um, it's a good time now to lift and divide them, particularly um, Narcissus and any of the, um, the sort of mid-season ones which have finished flowering. Um, you can lift them, you can divide them, you can plant them back in the same place. If you've got spare, so if they're overcrowded and you've got a bit spare... You can dry those off. You don't just leave them lying around like your onions that you lift. You actually just get a, a slightly shady corner, dig a trench, put them into the uh, trench, and just let the, um, the vegetative material, the leaves at the top, die back into them. And um, that, that would be a, a good sort of um, thing to be doing now. They're better... Though planted straight away, really, aren't they? they in, are, all, yeah. in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you are drying them off, you make sure you really need to make sure you dry them off slowly. Yeah. Um, it, but if you if you do know where you want them, plant them. And the other thing this time of the year, of course, is feed your bulbs. You know, yes, we all people f- don't liquid liquid feeds is easy, yeah. isn't it? Over the leaf. 
bulbs and getting back to the hedges as well. If you're cu- if you're doing anything to them, if you're cutting things off the hedges, give them a good feed and a mulch. Your bulbs, give them a good feed, but use, like you say, a liquid feed for the bulbs so they really take it up quickly. Thank you, Mick, and we'll have more tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Straight back to the phones, and as promised, didn't I promise? I did promise to get to Steve in Southend. Hello, Steve. We've got a couple of subjects you want to deal with, isn't that right, Steve? Yeah, morning, Ken. Hi. Um, I phoned last week, spoke to Jeff, who gave me some good advice on how to stop foxes getting in my garden. Good man, yep. And it works. I haven't seen a fox for a week. So you better tell me more, because I didn't hear that one. (laughs) (laughs) Male urine. I know it's, I know it's, you know, but if it works, I'll do it. No, I have heard that before, and I know I've worked with Jeff, and it is one of his (laughs) favourites. So that I go, I go around spraying my fences and everything, and it it. works well. Good. I would just, I'd I'd add to this to anyone listening, like do it in the hours of darkness. (laughs) 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 You don't want to cause neighbourly disputes. Oh, right, okay. How can we help you with your potatoes then, Steve? Right, um, I'm just starting vegetable growing. I have been flowers, but I've diversified and I'm growing flowers uh, and vegetables. Um, My first earlies are about six, eight inches high. When do I bank them up? Well, now, now really, yeah. If they're six, right. eight inches, yeah, yeah. you should have been the, at it. The, the reason why you bang them up is really to protect the um, the, the young uh, shoots from um, frost in the first instance. But it also has, has an effect on inc- increasing the amount of side shoots which will produce the, um, the tubers. Right. It makes them a bit easy to lift as well if the, if the tuber up near the, the surface in loose soil. Because what we forget is that actually the tubers are born off the stems. Yes, it's exactly. A, yeah. It's a stem tuber. Yeah. So that's why you're trying to produce more stem. Mm. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah? But, but you don't want them to start getting all kind of um, uh, brittle and thin when you're doing that. You, you, you do it when they're young because then they grow up firmly through this. So, right, so okay. get onto it now really is the thing. Yeah. I should do that straight away. And yeah. when, when well, I've we'll do it them, after what? 12. After 12, yeah. After 12. <laughs> when I've lifted them, what can I plant there after? After your potatoes? Um, uh, normally, you'd, you'd go through for, for roots uh, or um, beans is another thing you can sort of, It depends on the rotation you do now. Uh, are these are, oh, these are earlier, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. So you could, yeah, you, could uh, put, yeah. you could put a crop of French bean in, couldn't mm. you? Anything like that. Yeah. Bean and run a bean and yes, but, bean. yes, but you'll need to follow them up with a success, succession crop, you yeah. see. Okay. Because in French bean, you want to put in at least twice or three times through the season. Yeah. Right. And, they're, and they're quite tender, so what you'll find is that once you put in early crop early, but the, the plants have been through it all because they've, not, they've had the, the more severe weather. Once you put out midsummer, they tend to, you know, to, to be more robust plants and more, more prolific. And you can even plant a, a second batch of runner bean if you're yep. lifting earlies, because runner bean will then run up until the frosts. Mm-hmm. I know right. you get less crop, but you can do that as well. Okie dokie. All right. All right. Thanks very much. That's Steve in Southend, and we go to Kim in Hardy's Green. Hello, Kim. Hello. Good morning, Ken and Nick. I've just Hi. got a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Um, we haven't. We've got a rose in our garden, and we've not obviously because of the weather haven't had time or been able to go out and prune it. And the nice I don't week know. We, <laughs> bit of rain. Well, the, the nice week we did have, we were away, so <laughs> we couldn't do it then. Is it too late to pr- prune it now? 
Um, it's not it's not too late, but you might not get the same expected result as you would get with um, if you'd done it a bit earlier. I'd still prune yeah. it though. You might you might delay the flower and things, but I, I would yeah. As Ken said, you, you, what you can do for a year is you can actually prune them so they're not cut back quite as hard as you would do them in the spring. So okay. you, you take you take them back a little bit more like you used to do Alexander roses and things like that, and take them a bit higher, which provided it's not going to cause you a problem where they are, is okay. So, so rather than normally we take them down to about three to five buds, you might take them to about seven to nine, well, not nine, but about seven buds would be my, my preference. Because then you're not taking off too much of the growth the plant's already made, so it's not too much of a shock for it. Okay. Because so we've really jumped the last couple of weeks. All right. So what about seven buds down? So about yeah. seven, seven buds from the, uh, the union. Okay. Five to seven. On the bottom. But, I mean, what you want is a nice, even sort of shape to the thing in the end and cut out any spindly growth and all the sorts of things you'd do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, and then also, we've got a raised bed mm-hmm. um, and we've just um, taken up our turnips that were in there and we've got um, garlics and onions in there at the moment mm-hmm. and we've um, we've uh, dug it over, but we've noticed there's no worm spouts in there, and we have had a lot of rain, even this week there's been rain, um, so why would there not be any worm spouts? Would that mean that the soil is sterile? Um, no, I mean, it's, but worms actually, so the thing is, everyone thinks worms eat soil, they don't, work, but the worm casts, which I think is what you mean, they're, they're, that's actually the soil which gets in Thrown when, through. When, when they're eating organic material, which is what so they're after. So it needs organic material yeah. to help so, encourage worms, doesn't so, it? Yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that could be the reason, yeah. But, uh, Have you added organic material at all? I think we we put some um, some of the compost on there earlier on in the year. Yeah, that would um, work. And we've also put some fertilizer on there as well. Well, the fertilizer will be no, no interest at all to the um, to the worms, if you like. Okay. You know, from the point of view of those, it'd be good for the plants. But I mean, mm-hmm. um, my, my suggestion would be where you've taken out your turnips. If you're going to put something in there and you want to catch crop something quick like radishes or lettuce mm. or you know, salad leaves, generally spring onions. So um, work some compost into that soil where, where the turnips were. Just work it down to about the, to the depth of a hand fork would easily do it and plant into those rows then. And that should um, uh, improve, improve the, um, the growth on your subsequent crops. And we're back to Braintree, aren't we, Louise? Is that right? Oh, hello. Hello, Ken and uh, Nick. Um, I've... I've had chickens for 10 years. I have no longer got them. Um, right. And so I've got all this, it's about 12 foot, for six foot, well, maybe. Um, I'm digging it over. It's very, very rich. I bet it is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. In old way, yeah. word, yeah. <laughs> um, is it all right to plant in it or should I leave it for a while? Um, how, sorry, maybe I missed it. How long since the chickens were in there? Oh, only a fortnight. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, going to be so still rich, isn't it? It'll be very fresh. Oh, um, oh, you... I didn't realise. I mean, I've dug it over and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness gracious me. Yeah. <laughs> two, two things to do now. If you've got some old leaves or some so what we call brown, the sort of brown material you put into compost, so, so things which are like dead material, which is rich in carbon, you can dig some of that into there now. Even straw you could put in there now uh, and dig well, that into the ground. A bit of straw, yeah. But if you've got some fresh straw or something like that or old leaves or something like that, Dig that into the ground with the, um, the chicken manure. Dig it over and leave it so it's. I mean, you can I sort leave of tidy it for a month or so. Leave it you? for yeah, a month, easily two months, because that, that will the combination of the chicken manure, which is rich in nitrates, and the um, yeah. the, the brown material, which is rich in carbon, will start to compost and, and will will favour uh, soil bacteria a lot, a lot more. Of, um, 
wood and that that was behind my shed and that's all sort of crumbled would that be ideal wouldn't it if it, if it is something which can break up into a fine crumble don't, don't start exactly. digging lumps of wood in there yeah. 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 yeah yeah anything like that anything yeah. like that will help is that okay, right so, yeah leave it a couple of months yeah, yeah no problem and then cut yeah. two or three months and then let us know how you get on okay Lovely. Thank you very much. They are. That's uh, Louise from uh, Louise from uh, Braintree. We now go down to Canvey. What do you got in your lawn then, Eileen? Red ants. Oh, and dear. <laughs> and I, last year when I dug, I, I dig them up like yep. the, and then I put the ant powder in there. Yep. Last year, I, the ba- they was all white little babies and some of them had wings on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this year they was all oh, they was running up my leg yesterday when I was hanging out my washing. Not ideal, not ideal no, at all. And I just cannot get rid of them. I, I no, saw one they're... mound, and then I looked over, and there's about four or five. Yeah, there's it's probably orange meadow ants are the commonest one. There are a couple of um, and they're mound difficult to get ants. rid of, aren't they? They are. Um, in fact, in. In terms of nationally, we're a bit scarce now. You probably won't think feel so in your garden. But the, Mick's um, going to suggest yeah. you keep them. Well, no, no, no. I was going to say that in a lot of uh, agricultural improvements, the constant sort of like no, uh, replowing right. of land and things like that, they like lawns which have been established for a long time. Um, they are a bit of a, a nuisance. I know if, if you say of course, quite a mound they can as they well. They can as well, they? yeah. So you, your mower will uh, scalp on the mound and things like that. So. Um, the only thing you can really do is to try and you know, like use some of the ant powders. ant powders. But I mean, you say digging them up and putting it in there, and that, that shouldn't be necessary because what the, the ant powders normally are taken into the uh, the nest mm. and, uh, and and reduce oh. or kill the colony. One one of the ones I've used is called ant stop, and what mm. you do is you disturb the ants. So you put a fork in the nest and mm. just loosen it a bit. They mm-hmm. all then come up. Then you spray them. Now it doesn't kill them. But the spray will be onto the ant, mm. and the ants are very clean. They clean each other, don't they? Preen yeah. each other, yeah. and therefore the residue that you've put onto the ant will be come off while they're in the nest, and hopefully will get rid of the nest. It will take you most likely this summer, mm. but if you keep doing that, it can work. The thing you said about the, the winged ones, though, if you've got areas around you where you've got these ants, they'll move in again because you've obviously got a place. You know, which is suitable for them to leave. You've got a suitable habitat for them, unfortunately. So it, it's... Oh. It, Keep at it, Eileen. Maybe a constant Keep battle. Keep at it. Uh, Pat from Stock. Sorry to kept you waiting a bit there, Pat. That's all right. <laughs> Good morning to you both. Um, just really want to, if you can recommend a, a suitable fertiliser feed for a box hedge. We've got no. quite a long run of a small... Oh, I see. This is in the ground, a box hedge all the way round. Yeah, um, like fish blood and bone, anything like that, or uh, Vitex, any, Vitex, Q4. Yeah, grow more, anything like that. Uh, just a good oh, compound right. fertiliser. I mean, if you you can buy, there's, there's numerous types. If, I mean, if you want to go for a good, nice, cheap, available one, something like um, uh, fish blood and bone is um, is is my sort of favoured one. Which as long done. as you don't have trouble with too many foxes, because they do like it, don't they? Oh yes, yeah. But well, or just, but, but if you've one, I think round roundabout. Now, um, if you put any fertiliser. Because they are grown in um, a membrane and then stone as well, oh. it's difficult. I, I thought you had to water over the actual plant itself, not just the root. Yeah, no, no, yes, because... that's different. Thank you for telling us yeah. that because it's a different story. Isn't so it? what you have to do now is you have to get some sort of a liquid feed yeah. and, um, and, and water based. that in. Yeah, And you're going to have to uh, do that several times through the year to make sure... That every can... month, yeah. I would think, yeah. to keep it growing well. It's a seaweed feed. There's seaweed base. There's yeah. maxi crop is one. There's several. If you look yeah. for it, it's a seaweed-based one you're looking yeah. for. That's lovely. Don't water okay. it on in hot, sunny weather. No, no, 
know. You burn them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's lovely. Thank you very much indeed. That's a pleasure. That's Pat from Stock. Don't forget, you can give us a call on 0800 111 That's 0800 111 You can text me, uh, just like Bob from Woodham has and Barbara from Billericay, and that is on 81333. Put Essex on the front as well. We've got a couple of questions on email, which is Ken. No, it isn't. It's Ken. Yeah, Ken. Okay, crowd at bbc.co.uk. So they are. Uh, let's go now to Pauline in Claire. Hello, Pauline. I was nearly going to call you Claire. Yeah, but we won't go That's there. All right, I You're don't over the, Are you over the border in Claire, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, we are, Pacific, yeah. 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 I always listen to Essex Radio, though. Of course. Of course. Why it's, wouldn't you? Why, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you talking I keep getting on it, but there you go. Um, we've got this, we've had this, planted this clematis, well, three of them, um, yes. 1996. And they've been absolutely beautiful every year. We, uh, my husband prunes them down when they should be pruned down. But this year, one's got, it's beautiful with loads of flowers and leaves on it. The, the other one is all wood, a couple yep. of flowers, but then they're just dying off and falling off. And the other one out the front is doing the same. So is I, it is it because of the rain that we've had? Now, are, I mean, are the leaves? Um, did it have leaves on it originally? Um, originally, well, no. Well, I mean, this earlier this year, I mean. Um, no, the, this um, the one in the garden, the back garden. Yeah. No, it hasn't. No, and it's got some flowers, flowers but not very good. Because I wonder if it's got not... clematis wilt or something like that. But you normally it would no, start to leaf, grow, it? start you to grow it. into leaf and then they die back. Yeah. Um, Is it best to take them out or cut them right down? Well, my first inclination would be to cut them back hard. Yeah. Okay. Because and try and see what yeah, happens. See if they come from the base. Now, if right, they so do, you might be able to tie in some new growth and you'll have a rejuvenated specimen. If they don't, it's well, dead and you, you throw know, it away take, and take start it out again. And, yeah. and I so would do, do that. Do we, how far do we take it down? And uh, normally you take them down to about you know, a foot and a half or something like that, just enough yeah, to make it's sure. It's on a six foot, seven foot wall. Yeah, well, I'll tell you why you only take it, you take, take it back to that, because it gives you enough for the new growth to grow up in amongst the old sticks and find its way to any support. So right. if you've got three or four stems, you just cut them all off at that same height, Yeah. and then the yeah. new growth will work its way through it. Hmm. And do you think that might work? Well, it might work. I mean, what I'm saying is you've got nothing to lose, really, because what you're describing, it doesn't sound like it's going to regenerate at the top growth. Because there's so no you, leaf. Yeah. But you, so what no, you're testing now is, is is it a problem with the roots? If it isn't a problem with the roots, if it's merely a stem problem, the roots will then uh, produce new shoots from below the ground, which you, you might be able to get to a new plant. OK. Oh, that, yes, we'll now, try that, you... because I know the one in the back garden has got no green on it. Right, mm. OK. The one out the front has only got green on the top. And all the rest is just dead wood. I would still cut that back yeah. as well. And still cut it back. wait till you get green growth, then give it feed. But don't bother giving it feed or anything yeah. else until you've got green growth. Right. So, shall I just let this carry on uh, out the front? The way we've got one good one in the back. Um, let this one out the front just carry on. If it's all bare, I'd be inclined to cut it down, yeah. cut it yeah. down and let it go. Isn't the top part? Isn't it's all. Um, is, is, only... it, is, is it if it's shady at the base and sunny at the top? That clematis um, like to grow it, from uh, the shade into the sun. Um, the one out the front normally grows really perfectly lovely, um, and the ones out the back do because we're south facing out the front, 
I think we're. Yeah. I don't know. Is uh, it I, I think, think same advice applies. We would just cut them down and see how you I get would on. Cut it the base, down yeah. and see how it gets on. I honestly would. If it's got too much bear at the bottom, you want to start it again and see how it goes. Especially if it's got. It's got yeah. nutrient going at the top, so it yeah. must be able to branch from the base. One thing so, yeah. Pauline, that's what I do. Have a go and let us know how you get on, because we're always pleased to hear that. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Right, now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Mick have got some more tips for you. Now, I'm going to start off by Albrecia, Alison and Candy Tuff. Now, they're starting to finish flowering. And as they start to finish, everybody leaves them and they all go leggy and horrible, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah. Um, bit like actually you always think of heathers as the same you know yeah they're, they're, they're more shrubby than people realize you know because the low people yeah forget about them. all yeah go over them with a pair of shears or mm. even you could use scissors a big pair of kitchen scissors would work wouldn't yeah. it yeah. cut them down get rid of the loose stuff and the straggly stuff around the edge and you'll get new growth which will give you a better yeah. show next year yeah, you can be quite you can be quite ruthless oh, with them God, as well yeah. as long yeah. as you don't do it all yeah. in one go do it every year and cook them back hard and we'll appreciate it and then add a bit of compost around them which will encourage them Indeed. and while talking about cutting back if you haven't cut your penstemons back now's a good time to do that you don't do that too early in case they get cold mm-hmm. and again if you've got new growth from the base, cut all that old growth back. Yeah. If you haven't got new growth from the base, just cut it down to about four or five inches and hope that you get new growth from the base because they don't like too much wet, do they? So No, have faith with some of these things which uh, come through late. I mean, so, so you'll, you always be patient. Get, get, to, get to say you convince yourself they've died and then up they pop. It's a bit, <laughs> actually, the weather, um, really, although we're in May, it's a bit like April in a way, isn't it? Very because much so. I mean, so we're about cold, but almost we? a month behind. We'll soon catch up. Yeah. yeah. So what you got for us, then, Mick? Well, from my point of view, looking at we're talking about it'll soon catch up and things coming up from below ground. Obviously, um, herbaceous plants this time of the year, um, they start to grow. They're very robust. These little uh, domes of um, plants, and we think, oh, they'll mm. make good plants. Especially if you've got tall growing things. I'd include things like some of the bigger Russell lupins, delphiniums in particular, but um, a, a lot of the things, globe thistles, etc. You really want to put your um, supports in now. Get some supports, and you can use all sorts of supports. You can buy them, or you can just make them. Uh, a good tip is to, if you've got an old uh, bit of racking from a fridge or something like that, you can put that on to, to some, top some stakes, or you can just put chicken wire across so they grow through it. It needs to go in to be about a third of the height, the eventual height of the plants, and the leaves will hide all of the support, but it will hold them up there, because they break at the base. They don't usually break halfway up. So, I mean, it's, it's a good time to do that now. You can't, it's much harder to do it once the plants have grown up, and you'll never hide it. So they are. Keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Malcolm from Great Bella. Hello, Malcolm. Yeah, hello. Um, I know I should do it in October, but in my garden, I've got some dahlias which were bedding plants from, it could be even as long as five years ago, but every year they come up. Yeah. Thick and fast with millions of flowers. They're all sprouting now. Can I dig them up and split them, or can I put a spade straight through the top of them and dig out half of them? You're not, um, you, you've been listening to Ray talking about chopping them up in, in no, with I, a spade, haven't you? Yeah. No, yeah. Um, so, but look, the horticulturists here would, would, would say that. And whether I split these up or not. 
No, no, they're not. They're they're not the same as a herbaceous plant. Yeah. They've got tubers, so yeah. you've got to see yeah. that you've got growth on each bit of tuber that you cut off. Yeah. If not, they won't grow. Yeah. Now I, I would lift them, uh, knock off some of the soil, so you can see what's yeah. happening, what's happening with them, and you'll see you've got a main central stem and you've got shoots yeah. coming up from the side. That's where your leafy growth is. You'll also see some big. So sort of almost look a bit like sweet potatoes, the big rounded roots. Yeah. You want a section of root with a section of shoot. Okay. Right. Don't don't put in yeah. a section of root. I, can do it now. I know you. Yeah. I know you can do it obviously in the, in the autumn, can't you? When you're supposed to. Do no, it. no, yeah, no. You're, you're not too far off the time you do it. You actually do it in the spring. What you do is you lift them in the autumn. You dry them off, and then about February you put them into boxes of just moist compost. Put them into the glass house and onto the stage you know. Start and grow. And they'll start to grow. When you see the shoots come, that's when you know that you can get a section of root with a section of shoot. And you have to have both of them to do well. So they are and cut it with a sharp knife as well. Sharp knife. Don't Not use a spades. spade. No spades. No <laughs> spades at all. Just wanted to quickly put this email in. Have a de zero late potato in the allotment shed in egg trays, but they haven't really started to chit yet. They have been there for nearly six weeks. It's been cold. Do you mm. think they're too cold? Possibly. I mean, if the potatoes it is late, isn't if it? It is. But if the potatoes are firm. Um, I couldn't tell you why they haven't. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah, if they've started to shrivel and they haven't produced any... Um, Throw them away and start yeah. again. Yeah. And that's from uh, Peter in Wivenhoe. Thank you for, thank you for that, Peter. Um, just then, back to the phones. Oh, and don't forget, that number to call is 0800 I wanted to just get in uh, Bob from Woodham in a text, which is 81333, starting the message with Essex. Bob in Wooden, he said, I need some help with killing bamboo off. When I got it, it was seven or eight inches diameter. Now it's 10 to 12 foot wide, <laughs> knocking a small wall down, creeping it. Yeah, it goes everywhere. You need to chop it back with a spade. And the only thing that you can get rid of it with is, is glyphosate, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, you, you need to really uh, almost get one of the... Um the gel treatments or something like yeah, that. Gel so so yeah. as the new growth comes Roundup's back through. Roundup's got a gel, hasn't yeah. it, that you can has, wipe yeah, on yeah. the stems. Yeah. And you get them with sort of wiper attached. You can yeah. go into the garden centre, you'll see there's an endless array of different ways of applying the chemical. But you need to put it onto the leaves of that, and you'll probably need to reapply it two or three times during the growing season. But cut it back so it starts to grow vigorously, because that's when you'll hurt it. OK. Back to the phones. Gillian in Stanway. Hello, Gillian. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Um, I rang a couple of years ago to tell you that I had grown camellias from seed. Fantastic. We were quite surprised. Um, and this year, one has flowered. Why? It, um, it came from a plant with almost single uh, flowers on it, um, mm -hmm. white, and then that would have an odd pink one and an odd blotched one now and again. But this little bush, they're all... Double and um, white, all blotched with pink. Quite pretty. Mm, well done, you. <laughs> so I was quite pleased. You, you said it could take years before they... So um, how, many, how many total years from the seed was it? Oh, I can't tell you I now. I can't tell. I mean, is it um, five, say, ten? Say four. They've four done well. Yeah, 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 You've done yeah. very well indeed, then. If it's oh, four years, you. it's good. But all, now I'm not doing so well with my rhododendron. Okay, how can we help um, with that? I have it in a pot, a large pot, planted in ericaceous soil, um, but it's going brown from the tips of the leaves towards the stem. All the leaves, brown and very, very brittle. Uh, it's got, now, that sounds like it's a root problem. Something okay. is um, affecting the roots. And there are um, things like some of the fungal diseases, like Phytophthora, which is it, if we get into there, can Is it in a wet position? Or has it laid wet? No, not particularly. 
because this this you say not particularly but this winter of course has had well this spring mm. has had an excessive amount of water and if it's laying in water that's when you get your root problems don't yeah, it you? can be but there's also there are these fungal yeah. like phytophthora which Phytophthal. like wet conditions i mean rhododendrons will tolerate damp conditions because they, they're generally very shallow rooted so when you grow them in open ground i mean i used to work as, in a, as a rhododendron right. garden originally so and um, it's in the lake district so we've got 120 inches of rain so we'll take the rain but what they won't st- stand is being as ken says standing, standing in water, water. so they like they like to be over damp ground that's the way they like to grow so if they are getting very wet the pots being on the ground not had pot feet so really, and also you say you've got an ericaceous compost was it a, a sort of john innes type uh, ericaceous compost I mm, can't remember now. No, because it, because it what can happen? The ericaceous. Yeah, I, I, I know you've a garden centre. Yeah, I know you'll have got the right sort of thing, but in a sense, if you've got um, something like, say, for instance, a, a, a soil a soilless compost or peat-based compost um, of the ericaceous, it will start to break down over time, and it literally Loses slumps energy completely, which means it tends to sit more wet. Okay, and so that could be what it is. But if you've got browning leaves, now the problem is if it's just that the, the roots are dying off because they're too wet, that's, that can be remedied. The plant will take a little time to recover from that and often has a bit of an awkward shape to it. If it's a disease, it, it puts a whole new perspective on it. So the, if, if, if it is a disease, is the there roots, anything yeah, I can do? Well, the only really th- the only thing you could do is you could, you could persist. There's not really much you can do in terms of getting rid of the disease from the plant that's in there, but you could... Uh, see if you can nurse it back to health. If not, you know, and ho- so, ho- ho- get a new one. So try, try firstly giving it a liquid feed, a something like a a, a maxi crop of seaweed. We keep saying it's a seaweed-based fertilizer, and put it over the whole plant, the leaf, and everything, and do that on a regular basis, and try and nurture it back into health. I, I will. Thank you very much for your help. That's a okay. that's a pleasure. They are. Give it a go, John in Whitecomb. John, what you got for us, John? Oh, good morning. Um, I've got a little bit of problem with some F1 cucumbers. Right. Um, normally we grow surplus uh, tasty F1 cucumbers in an unheated greenhouse. Done so for years, no problem. Beautiful crops. Uh, we're unable to buy the plants this year, and we ended up with a cucumber called Passandra, which is an F1. Yep. Planted them, it's fine, went away on holiday for a long weekend, neighbour watered them, came back, everything looked fine. And then at the beginning of the week, uh, Tuesday, everything on the on them just looked limp. We have uh, cleaned the greenhouse before we planted anything, we had fumigated, done everything we normally do, except this time, Everything had just gone. I um, just wondered if there's any tips as to what happened. Well, now, you said, are you growing them in the ground? Or are you growing them in grow bags? Or what, what, what method? No, they're you... in the ground. They're in the bed. Yeah, okay. Um, and they've got, they said they've gone limp. Are they just yes. sort of all shriveling uh, and going limp? The or bottom, the... The bottom, it started with the bottom leaves, and they're gradually shriveling up the way up. They've got one, two, three. They've got about four leaves and... Uh, a fairly strong shoot at the top. Yeah. But, um, the leading shoot now looks limp. Have you got any? Have you got any heat in this greenhouse? No. Could be too cold. Could be. Uh, Tuesday. Uh, I'm no, this it, week. It, it, it picks the sun up. It is. No, I know, but our night, night temperatures have been very low. We have. If we got two two types of shading, it's being shaded and it's shaded on the outside. With a very fine 
fine mesh, so it's insulated. Mm, well, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's gone cold at night, so I mean, uh, it's not. It's, there's no immediate answer which springs to mind. I mean, the, the, the what you're describing usually is something like. Um, the ground could be too wet because it could be affecting the roots. Cold. Yeah, and if it's cold as well, that can sometimes cause root dieback. And of course, if you get a loss of roots, it, the first thing a plant has to do is to lose leaves. But because it, it's growing, it's trying to produce uh, new leaves. I think I would top. out and yeah. start again, wouldn't you? That's my, well, my inclination. It's not too late to start a new crop of cucumbers. John, start again because you're not going to get those back into health. Okay, that's what we that's what we thought. Thank yeah. you very much. That's okay, John. I think it's cold, don't you? It, it sounds like it, yeah. But if, especially if they're growing in the ground, I mean, yeah. the water moves sideways in the ground. And if mm. it's got wet and cold, we won't like it. Alan in Orpington, hello. Yes, good morning, you chaps. <laughs> How can we help you? Um, I've got, I've, I've not got a direct problem, but my mother has been told that she's got uh, Japanese knotweed in her garden. Right. Um, one of her neighbours brought it to her attention. And uh, on that basis, it's going to fall into my lap to do something about it. Cause it she, is. She can't do it. So I was wondering what the situation is. How will, how should we deal with that? How much is it? Do you know how much there is? Is it just a bit? Just a bit, as far as I know, yeah. Okay, right. Right. You need to uh, treat it with um, glyphosate. And um, it's just coming up this time again, growing actively. So you need to... Um, now spraying, wipe again, yeah, isn't it? spraying alone isn't enough. You need to get something you can wipe onto it uh, and or paint onto it. And Roundup comes yeah. as a wipe. You can get yeah. a wipe from your garden centre. Yeah. Now right. you you will need to do this for about two years because it, right. it, it's quite resistant to it, and it comes up even if you've got a li- little bit of the root still alive in the ground. It can last two years at about thirty uh, percent of its. Um, normal um, uh, hydration, and, off it goes and then it can you. just bring back to life. It's a real problem. We've got a massive problem with it at the Olympic Park, for instance. And the issue, of course, I'm sure you know, is that your mother won't be able to, or anyone won't be able to sell that house if, if it's uh, known that it's there. Right. Okay. So it's uh, because it, you you know it's contact, and you can't dig it up and put it to, if you put it into your local um, tip at the. Um, You're not allowed to do if, that. If, if they find you doing that, you'll get fined because it's contaminated waste. It has to go to a special uh, site. So if you've got if it's in if it's on site and you can deal with it, keep treating yeah. it. You'll treat it several times this year, several times next year. Uh, have a look online, see if because there are things where you can actually inject it into the stem and things like there's that. A you pip, know, so. There's a pipette system where mm. you cut the stem and you put the liquid down the middle, but it's it's the same product. It's all glyphosate. Yeah. Okay. So, so you can have a look right, at which ways you want to do it. Yeah. What, what, what's the situation with the the local council being involved with this? Do they do they need to be informed? Uh, no, uh, if it's, it's contained and you're doing anymore. it, it's um, but you but you it, it you can't sell the house or anything like that. Well, or, or you know you, you can't dis- you can't the council would be involved if you tried to dispose of it somewhere. Right. Okay. So so the thing is, act straight away. Get onto it now. Yeah. Essex and into Kent with Alan in Orpington. That's mm. what we're doing here on BBC Essex. Don't forget you can give us a call on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Let's go to Janice in Leon C. Hi, Janice. Hello to you both. Um, I've got a Berberis Darwini, been mm-hmm. in about five years, um, never really um, flowered particularly well. And this year I noticed that some of the uh, branches, the stems, had gone brown on the ends. Um, it's in, although it faces um, south, it's in quite a shaded spot. I'm wondering if it's uh, advisable to move it. Because they're all out in flower now, aren't they? <laughs> they're yeah. starting to flower. Yeah, yeah. it's it's you're borderline now. That's too late to uh, to lift it. Really, I wouldn't. Uh, lift I would it. wait till oh, the right. autumn now. Um, 
it could just be that he's got very wet and cold where it is. Uh, and uh, we say dying back from the tips, that, that sounds again like a root problem and, and yeah. usually something quite sudden because if it um, if if it's a long-term thing, you start to get a different pattern of the way the plant dies. But it mm. starts to die back at the tips. It could also be a bit of touch of frost on it as well. It's oh, hard yeah, to it's say, really. Five, five years and it's not really grown very much. It's about three foot higher now and it's yeah. never really sort of grown well, and I've well, been waiting and yeah. waiting patiently but well clearly it's not happy so you maybe Would want you... to move into a more open situation yeah. or you could prune it a little bit yeah. after flowering prune yeah. half the stems I don't mean half of the plant but half of the stems back a bit mm. prune yeah. them back by about a third and then okay. give it a blooming good feed and see whether you can push it along right I'll do that lovely okay. thank you very much indeed the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips that Mick has for us this week. Well, the fourth one uh, we've got for you this week is the, um, the shrubs and things in your garden. You may think, oh, I love that shrub. I'd love to get another one of it. You may not remember where you got it from, or it may just be particularly uh, one which has got some sort of meaning for you. Whatever it is, they're very easy to layer, most of them. You just get a young, fairly pliable branch, bend it down to the ground. You can, it's not always necessary, you can make a little slice into just into the um, the bark, uh, with a sharp knife, put some compost around there, but you need to peg it down firmly so it bit stays into the wire, ground. Something like that. Yes, yeah, so well, let's say a peg. I mean, don't, not not a clothes peg, just a, a bit of wire. But as you say, bent over, put that into the ground. Make sure you put. You can even put a stone or something on top of that to Could make do, sure yeah. that it doesn't uh, pull out of the ground. And then you do, the good thing about this is you just leave it for a year. You don't need to do a thing until next spring. And so um, that's a good way to increase shrubs if you just want an odd one. Maybe if you wanted to move it and you think, oh, it's too big to uh, to, to transplant, layer it and then uh, move that one next year. You've got the same plant effect. And especially if it's sentimental, which is what you said at the beginning. Yeah, if if there's some reason why you want to preserve that plant, remember if you take a cutting or a layer, it is that plant. It's the same plant. Okay, So um, and the last one I've got really... No gardener should ever forget this, especially this time of the year. Get on top of those weeds now. If you don't actually get on top of the weeds now, you're going to find that you've got problems later. Get down, you know, get a kneeling pad, you know, fingertip search almost, forensically <laughs> pulling out those seedlings. You, know, you will be uh, glad that you did it later because now's the time when the weeds really try their main assault on the garden. So they are weed, weed and weed. Weed, weed, actually, and weed again. <laughs> actually, it's interesting you mention weeding because I've been doing quite a bit of hoeing in gardens lately. Mm. And of course, the hoeing's gone wrong, hasn't it? Because where we hoe, normally rely at this time of the year when it's a bit dry, mm. the weed comes, it's on the surface, it's nicked out mm. and it will dry out. But of course, we've had lots of rain in between. So in fact, they grow again, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but the hoe becomes a bit of a transplanting implement rather does, than an implement of mass destruction. Yeah, yeah, it is a problem. It's, it's, it's really horses for courses, isn't it? Hoeing is something where you, if you can run it across and you get a dust mulch on the surface. It works really not, well. Not only it? does it stop the weeds so that you've actually germinated, but the dryness will actually prevent future germination as well. So it's a, it's a good thing to do. It's, it's a self-mulching uh, method. If the weather's right. Yes. Well, we say right. The weather is right for this year, but it's not right for hoeing. <laughs> Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. 
You're listening to The Gardening Hour. And just a, a mention that Leia Marnie Tower is hosting its first plant fair roadshow. And that's uh, next weekend on the 13th of May. It goes on from 12 till 5. It's an exciting new venture with uh, a roadshow with a collection of small independent nurseries from the southeast who will have plants for sale and advice to offer. You can get advice there. It sounds like a great show. Everything, you know, hardy. Some of the nurseries are RHS medal winners. So go along there. And if you want more information, it's uh, www dot layamarnitower.co.uk so that's a plant fair at Leia Marnie Towers let's now go back to the phones Mick Lavelle and myself are here to answer your gardening question we go to Clive in South End hello Clive hello good morning um, I've got a question what do I feed privet hedge with uh, just feed it with a sta- any standard sort of compound fertiliser. I think we mentioned earlier, you said fish, blood and bones, mm-hmm. one. You can also Grow use Vi- Vitax, Grow More. Other brands are available, of course. And um, just put that down uh, on the base now and then give it a mulch over the top was the best way to do it. Give it you right. know, a good a good sort of slow-release fertiliser like yeah. that. Okay. Lovely. Can okay. I just ask one more? So how, do I, how do I divide bamboo? Ah, right. Now, what you do is, if it's in a pot, yeah, you take it out of the pot first off, Cut, reduce the um, the numbers of um, the, the stems by about half, but do right. it evenly through there. So you've so you've got much more space in there. And then you get out a carpentry saw, yeah. and you saw it in half, or you can saw it into quarters, depending on how many right. you want from it, and replant it. Simple Just replant it to the centre of a pot. I would be, I would tend to say cut it into quarters and put a quarter back into the pot you had it in. Right. Okay. Okay. Lovely. Thank you. And very just put much. a saw straight through. That's Clive from Southend. Just wanted to get this. It. I've grown. Plug plants indoors, begonias, fuchsias, petunias, they will look in upright, uh, they will be, will they be okay in an upright cold frame now? Is it still early? The answer is, Jack in Onga, <clears throat> we don't know what the weather's going to do. So the answer yeah. is yes, if the nights are mild, but you've got to watch your nighttime temperatures. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, on these, these frames, you can always put a bit of extra fleece or something over or a blanket over at night, and that will actually help them. They should be okay in a frame, but I mean, it's, as Ken said, we can't prognosticate the weather. Give us a call now, 0800 1 and I will answer Joan in Harlow in just a moment. But before that, uh, we got Reg in South Ockenden. Hello, Reg. Hello, boys. Um, what I want to know, Ken, is some weeks ago I heard you saying to a lady that she'd taken her pot plant and found vine weevils in that yep. little white grubs. Um, you told her to dispose of it. Well, over the year, over a number of years, I've, I've gone through it almost, well, I think I've got them all out, and I'll put it into a barrel. Now I've got three big barrels of uh, compost waste, if you like. Now, how long will those grubs stay in the ground? Those grubs will be producing adults which will then lay thousands of eggs. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. lay, um, the adult can lay, oh, it's, I it, say thousands, I, I it's think, several hundred eggs they can lay, uh, can't yeah, they, in they, a season. I can't, it is a large amount, yeah. And the, um, but they don't even have to mate. The females just re-emerge and they just lay fertile eggs. So, so I mean, how long will they survive in these barrels, particularly if they're uh, sort of... Well, in those barrels, they won't survive that long because they, uh, they, they eat roots of living plants. So if you've not got anything growing in there, it won't be to their liking. But the fact of the matter is, if you just tipped them out into there and there was enough material for the uh, grubs, they will have um, pupated and sent out females who, who will be then around the garden feeding other plants. So... Well, so, they're in barrels and they've got lids on them. <laughs> they've got a little chance of getting out. So, would they but there will be nothing in there now. Be, if, if, you, if you did this last year, there'll be nothing in there this year, as long as there's nothing growing in there. Oh, well, I, I mean, 
know, I've done this over a number of years, maybe five years. So yeah, but what you're be... saying is the likelihood of any grubs are in there will be nil, yeah? <laughs> pretty low, yeah, pretty, but not nil, Pretty low, yeah. but what you've got to watch out for, if any adults were reduced from those grubs, they could be laying their eggs elsewhere in the garden. That's what you've got to watch for. Is that all right, Reg? So me barrels, I can get that soil and, and, and that paint and put over the garden, yeah? Yeah, I would check it before I tip it out into a wheelbarrow before you actually tip it onto the garden. Uh, Ken from Benfleet, you're coming back on Japanese knotweed, is that right? Yeah, I am, Ken, that's right. Um, I read in, I'm sure it was yesterday's Daily Mail, a guy had Japanese knotweed, and instead of what you said, um, he said that he treated it when it was in full bloom in September, and twice it's been very successful. I can still guarantee... I can really guarantee, there's not many things in life you guarantee, mm. that he will not have written it off. Yeah. Mm. All I can tell you is what he wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, is, that doesn't mean it's true. No. <laughs> the, the, problem is, no, the problem is, Ken, what happens with Japanese knotweed, which is what Mick was saying, is that now, I've done this. I treated a garden backing on a railway in North London. I treated that knotweed by spraying an injection for two years they oh. then said they then said i'm not paying you anymore ken to come back because it isn't there five years later the nursery rang me and said the knotweed's back up i said that's what i told you would happen mm. because you have to keep watching it it slightest bit of root and up it comes again oh dear okay well Monday but i like to... no but the spraying all helps to eradicate Japanese knotweed. So he's not wrong, mm. and September is a good time to put the chemical onto it because it's still growing mm. and it will take it down to the root, won't it, Mick? Yeah, yeah. But just got, the thing is, it has to be going actively. So up until about midsummer and then early autumn onwards are the times when you get most success. And Ken, thank you for your comment because it it, it makes it makes other people aware of what you can do to get rid of it because it is a pain. Another thing to try. Anyway, nice to speak to you. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you very much indeed, <laughs> Ken. Uh, give us a call now. We can fit you in. 0800 111 I go back to text. Uh, a one... This year I had a magnolia flower bud that died. The plant is now displaying all its normal leaves. It didn't flower very well last year. Should I replace it? It's in a large pot. I've been feeding with liquid feed, but it's about 10 years old. Joan in Harlow. If she's left it in the same pot for 10 years, it could mm. be a bit of a problem, could it? Well, I think, again, it gets down to, as I said before, about the, the, the compost starts to slump and it gets very wet. And magnolia is another one of these that classically like to have roots up near the surface. I mean, in, in a garden, you, you, I always say mulch them and leave the fork. You know, don't, don't start doing any disturbance around the roots. So that's why they, they grow well with things like camellias and rhododendrons because they all have the same sort of yeah. general liking in terms of they sit under the soil rather than really growing deeply into it. Uh, my inclination would be if you can plant it out into the ground, it might be happier. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it's a case of maybe mulch at the top of the pot with some reasonable compost. Scrape it off and mulch at the top of the pot with a bit of good compost. Give it a feed, like you say, but um, if it's got healthy leaves, the plant is telling you it's in many ways healthy. Uh, we had a, a, an email from Andrea. She's saying, what is the best way to prevent aces, shrubs, getting the awful white sticky gum underneath their leaves? <laughs> that will be aphid, won't it? It is aphid, and, uh, and aces are, are very susceptible to aphids. Um, the only thing you could, uh, what I would suggest is you could encourage things like uh, lace wings, ladybirds, you know, put the sort of like um, little, little habitat um, things for them up there. You, it's not really worth trying to buy in biological control for use outside because it all flies off elsewhere. 
So um, I, I would tend to say try and favour overwintering spots for them. You can get um, lacewing hotels, which you can actually get a pheromone, which you drip into it, which will encourage them in there. They'll come out, they'll find the aphids and the later eggs there, and their larvae are voracious predators of them. But, so if it, not... If you're using a spray, be very careful with aces and yeah. check whether you can use it on aces because a lot of the sprays you can't because it will burn Ab absolutely. the leaves. Absolutely. This is why I'm suggesting really try and uh, encourage beneficial insects. Uh, and you also ask about a geranium pitch which attach. I'm afraid there are hundreds of those. It's mm. not one that Mick or myself actually recognise. No. So, sorry we can't help you with that one. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Don't forget 0800 4041. And uh, Ruth from Rayleigh. Hello, Ruth. Hiya. Hello. Um, right, I'm having to start a garden from absolute scratch because we've had an extension, so literally, well, virtually from scratch. But the trouble is, my neighbour, who I do get on with, her adjoining fence is just full and I mean totally chock full of ivy and she's begged me not to do anything to get rid of it and cut it down and it is taking over my garden it's really awkward because you don't want to fall out with your neighbour but it, it's just growing everywhere and I can't get rid of it um, well, is, it growing, is it growing out away from the fence? Well, is it, it's growing under her fence into my garden Well it doesn't make it, if you cut it off in your garden it won't make any difference to the one in her garden ivy roots along the stems so if you cut it Right at the fence line, and get mm. rid of it uh, for, uh, on on you know that side. On her side, it will just carry on. Yeah, it's just everywhere, and mm. and and also there's a, I've got this weed, and it's not the Japanese nutweed, thankfully. I don't know what it's called, but my neighbour called it mile a minute. I don't know what it is. It just uh, oh, mile a minute is um, polygonum bolshanicum. Well, well it? fallopia bolshanicum. It's now called yeah, the, the Russian vine. What's yeah. It, what's its proper name? Russian vine. It's got small white flowers in the summer and grows very, yeah. very quickly, very wispy stems. Yeah, Russian vine. What do I do? <laughs> you you moved next to a good neighbour there, didn't you? Well, I've sprayed <laughs> everything yeah. with the weed killer and nothing. It's not even touching it. It's been no. Like well, when you say it's not like the Japanese knotweed, in many ways it is. It's quite closely related, ironically, and there is some suggestion that the, the two were actually hybridising in locations where they're grown together. Because uh, oh, Japanese knotweed doesn't produce seed very freely in the UK, but it sometimes uh, pollinates the, um, the polygonum, and you get this superweed then. Hmm. Uh, it's not even worth going into. My, my <laughs> suggestion would be um, shears and get them out and dig, dig up the ivy from the ground on your side. It won't affect anything on her side. And then side. Where, if, if, uh, and, where it comes up, you can just then treat it. Yeah. And, and, um, SBK is worth trying as well, because that's yeah. for heart, tough, tough yeah, weeds, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but it'll be best on regrowth rather than what's yes. there already, yeah. What's it called? SBK, that works quite well. And it, it's some kind of weed killer, is it? It is, it is yeah. yeah. It's, for, yeah it's, it's particularly for perennial um, uh, woody weeds. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. That's Ruth from Rayleigh. Uh, 0800 111 I like to squeeze one in at the end of a programme, so you have got the chance of being that person. 0800 111 um, hi, Ken and Mick. I have a shrub in a pot. No idea the name, but this year seems <laughs> it's dead on one side. Should I cut the dead away? Any thoughts on cause? Could it be weather? Oh, so that's the first question. Could be weather. Yeah. Could be position. Could be all kinds of things, unfortunately. Could be a week. It'd take a while. You need to. Uh, you, sometimes you have to have a look at these and have a look at the situation. I mean, if it is dead, there's no point. It won't grow again, so you could cut it off. I mean, the, the thing I always say is if you cut all the dead off and the plant looks awful, cut the rest of it off and put something else in. So that's what you want to do. Yeah. And. Uh, 
Then the other one is, also my rosemary is a pot is dead. Well, buy another one. Mm. Rosemary sometimes just dries out or glows too wet, isn't it, really? Yeah, That's yeah. the sort of problem. So, anyway. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.